This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. It is Wednesday, April the 5th, 9.32 a.m., 2023. And it's time for the latest edition of The Bullpen with Adam the Bull, part of the Bet Rivers Network. And we got a lot to get to today, including now one week in. This will end the first week of the Major League Baseball season. The NBA regular season is painfully, thankfully, almost over. And the NFL draft is right around the corner three weeks from tomorrow. That's all coming up on this star-studded edition featuring me. That's it. Uh, The bullpen with Adam the Bull, part of the Bet Rivers Network. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. Eventually, we'll have some other stars. I'm calling myself a star. I, I don't know if that's appropriate. Probably isn't, but. I'm going with it anyway. All right, folks, a lot to get to today. One week into the baseball season, I talked on Monday about people overreacting both good and bad to the start of the baseball season. On Monday, I was talking specifically about the Cleveland Guardians because it's not a huge, you know, the baseball uh, fan base in Cleveland is not massive like it is in other markets. In, in Cleveland, it's a huge football fan base, and that that varies from city to city. It really depends. It's not even big market, small market. And as we look, you know, around the country, obviously uh, the quality of the team in some cases lines up with attendance, but some of it is just, you know, the background of the fan base and how big the fan base fan base may be, how popular the sport is in that city. You know, in most cities in America now, the NFL is the most popular sport. Most of the big cities in America, the NFL rules the roost. In some places, baseball's right there with football. In very few cases, is baseball the most popular sport in a city? Uh, It still may be the case in New York. Again, I haven't lived in New York in over a decade now. When I was a kid, it certainly was. I think it's pretty close between baseball and football. Obviously, baseball is really big in Boston and Philadelphia and a lot of the Northeast markets uh, and Chicago and out on the West Coast. It's it's pretty big. In fact, I would say that... um, I would say in San Francisco, even though the Warriors, you know, uh, well, let's say this, the Bay Area in general, I think baseball's really big out there. Certainly in Southern California, it's big as well. St. Louis is probably the city where baseball dominates more than any other sport. Obviously, they don't have uh, an NBA team or or a um, or an NFL team anymore. They have an NHL team, but but baseball is is the biggest in St. Louis. So, you know, as we get into the season here, a week in. Do we know anything? Have we learned anything? Not really. I mean, nobody, uh, there's one undefeated team to start the season. That's Tampa Bay off to a great start at 5-0. and Every team's got at least one win. Philadelphia and Washington and Kansas City only have one. Uh, it's way too early to make assumptions about a team or any specific player. If you play, if you're a fantasy baseball guy like me, don't panic uh, if you if you if you drafted a player high and he's off to a bad start, and don't overreact if you have a if somebody's tra- if somebody's trying to pedal off a guy who 
is out of left field with a great start. Don't don't fall for that either. Don't get suckered by that. Um, most things in baseball will level off eventually. Guys you expect to be good will often be good unless there's an injury factor. And a lot of times the guys that come out of left field, unless they're, you know, young players, rookies, uh, will will settle into where they should be anyway. I think what's interesting, if you look at early season baseball, um, one thing that is of note is that a lot of young hitters are struggling. And I was I was listening to an interview on MLB radio, with my guy Mike Farron and Jim Duquette yesterday. Um, you know what? I don't know if it was them now. Now that's the guys I usually listen to their show, but I actually don't think it was there. I can't remember now who it was. But they were talking with the manager of the Pirates, Derek Shelton, on MLB radio. And he, you know, they got a lot of young hitters on the Pirates, and he talked about how he feels like a lot of young hitters across the board. With You know, we, we think about these new rules in baseball. I talked about how I love them. Couldn't love them anymore. We had a game yesterday between the Marlins and the Twins, I believe it was, where um, the game was under two hours. I mean, I love that. Again, I've heard some people complaining, friends of mine, well, if I go to the ballpark, I'm, I go for a beer and a hot dog, I'm going to miss two innings. Well, you know what? Order all your food before the game. What can I tell you? Suck it up, Buttercup. Um, yeah, it was the Marlins and the Twins. Sandy Alcantara, who won the Cy Young last year in uh, the National League, did not pitch great his first start. Three-hit shutout. I mean, first of all, we don't see a lot of shutouts these days. Um, but but he did it. Outdueling Kenta Maeda, who pitched well also. Uh, an hour and 57 minutes complete game. Final score was one nothing Marlins as they handed the Twins their first loss of the season. But, um, you know, the one – but but – the interesting thing with the new rules is the the initial reaction was this is all about the pitching, right? That the pitchers would feel the pressure of the clock. And we've seen that. We've seen a number of viol- – I don't know what the exact number is now after yesterday. But there's probably been about 70 violations of the pitch clock already. And this will settle down. It will settle down as the season goes along, as players get used to it. It takes time. You learn you, – you had some experience in the in the in exhibition action – but the regular season's a whole new ball game. There's 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 many more fans. There's the pressure, and especially young players, right? So, but at first you thought, well, it'll all be about the pitchers taking too much time. But the the clock has also pressured the hitters because they have to be in the box ready to hit with with eight seconds left, essentially ready to go. And what Derek Shelton, the Pirates manager, said is a lot of the young hitters are antsy about, hey, I got to be in the box with eight seconds to go or they're going to call a a strike on me, that they're getting in the box too early. And then the pitcher is able to take advantage of that by kind of making them sweat a little bit. You know, a young player, he may, you know, a guy who's, especially a guy who's making his major league debut this week, he's anxious. He wants to impress his, 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 the fans, his manager. He doesn't want to get sent back to the minors. Uh, There's a lot of pressure on these guys. In some cases, it might be your only chance. In most cases, not, but some cases it might be. And so you you see that clock start to tick, and you're like, well, I better get in there because I don't want to. Because now what most players should do, again, you've got to be in the box ready to hit by eight seconds. It, most players and the veteran players are stepping into that box with about 10 seconds left because they're not panicking about getting ready 
because you don't need more than two seconds to get ready in the box or to be to acknowledge the pitcher, essentially. But the young players, they're jumping in the box early, and then they're getting ready, and then they're the pitcher's making them sweat and making them wait, and then the players get antsy, and, and we're seeing some a lot of young hitters struggle here early. And I wonder, we'll see if, if we see that trend continue. Some other trends we're seeing early, stolen bases through the roof. The stolen base percentage has been huge. We're seeing teams already take advantage. You know, through the first three days, there wasn't any more steals than last year, steal attempts. The, per- the success percentage was way higher, um, but there wasn't any more attempts. And now, because of that, and as time goes by, if, if that stolen base percentage holds, it probably won't hold at the 90% level it was at. But even if it holds in the mid-80s, even low 80s, uh, last year it was, about, I think it was 74% success rate from stolen bases. If it holds even in the mid-80s, you're going to see the attempts go way up. Now, that would eventually likely knock down the percentage because you'll see guys that maybe, not necessarily from the good base stealers, but you'll see guys that really wouldn't steal any bases or steal three or four, maybe get a little more aggressive. Again, going back to that Derek Shelton interview, he said, yeah, I mean, it's it's leading me as a manager to be more aggressive on the base paths. The fact that there's four and a half inches, four and a half inches may seem like nothing. May seem like nothing. That's one and a half yards on a football field. Right? I've got, do I got that right? Right? Three inches? No, what the hell am I talking about? Did I just say that? That four and a half inches is one and a half yards? Am I right about that? Yes. Okay. I was doubting myself, but yeah, three inches is a yard. No, my, (laughs) it's a good thing. I'm talking sports. Dude. I don't know what, (laughs) I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So when it comes, no, it's 12 inches. What the, how many inches in a yard? I don't know how many inches are in a yard, but three feet is a yard. Yeah. What the hell am I? 36 inches. (laughs) I'm an idiot. What the hell am I thinking? Keep me away from math. Don't ever let me bring up math on this show again. You you My, have made, you have made the editing process for me so much more complicated because of your math disaster. No, but you got to leave it all in because I, I will. I, I I'm not afraid to make fun of myself. I'm actually the, the sad part is is generally I pick I'm picking on myself right now. I'm actually good with math, but like my brain just escaped my head for about a minute, and for some reason I thought four, I thought four and a half inches was one and a half yards, which is obviously absurd. Four and a half inches is not anywhere close to one and a half yards. In fact, it's not even it's not even close to a half a yard. It's not even <laughs> half a foot. No, it's not even <laughs> I was thinking three inches is a yard. It's three feet is a yard. Dummy, okay. The point is, so four and a half inches is even is is even less than I tried to lead you to believe. Four and a half inches is very little. However, for years, we've seen bang-bang plays at second base. Many, many plays that were close. We're looking at replay. Did the finger get in? Was how close? And, and so all those plays that were that close, all of them are now safe. That four and a half inches may not be a lot, but it's, a, it's enough to make every close stolen base attempt for the past decade safe instead of out. Every single one. And there you go. And that's why guys are going to get more aggressive on the bases. That's why we're seeing more runs scored. That's why we're seeing, in general, I talked about the young guys not hitting, but in general, batting averages are up, home runs are up, 
uh, especially left-handed hitters because he can't shift like he used to up across the board. Um, and again, eventually things will settle down somewhat on this, I would think. I think the, the young hitters will kind of catch up and calm down a little bit. But we, we might not see the impact of the young hitter as we've seen quite a bit in recent years in uh, Major League Baseball. But what we are seeing is that every baseball game now, they're either it's either high scoring or super quick. The low scoring games are flying, flying, you know, and and games through, I believe, um, Monday were on average down 30 minutes from last year. And remember, that is all downtime. It's all downtime. Uh, it's not any action. And that's great because the pace of play is so much better. Baseball, I, I just think, I can't, the, the, the teenage Adam would have, if you would have presented these rules to me in the late 80s and said, we're going to make, it's a, it's a three, including some of the rules that have been added the last few years. Uh, you know, no pitches on an intentional walk. Relief pitchers got to face a minimum of three batters. No, no shifts, no overshifting. Two guys on each side of the infield, infielders on the infield. A pitch clock, uh, limits on how many throws you can make to first base. The base is bigger, thus creating a shorter distance between bases. If you would have told the 16, 17-year-old me in the late 80s about these rules, I would have yelled at you. I might have punched you because I was kind of a, a nut job kid. And and I would have said, you're an idiot. These rules are all stupid. You're ruining my game. And now the 51, soon to be 52-year-old me, I think at least that math I can get right, loves every single moment of it. I love every single rule. I even like the runner on second base and extra innings. And that's the one I would have hated the most as a kid. Of all of them, that's the one I would have hated the most. And I love it. Love it. I love everything they've done. Now, I still think the commissioner is generally a dope. I th still think Major League Baseball does a terrible, terrible job of getting their product out to the fans in a reasonable, reasonable way. So a lot has to be fixed. But I have to give the commissioner credit. These rules are great. The game is better. It's more fun to watch. There's no, there's no doubt. Uh, the only argument I guess you can make is that you have less time to buy your snacks when you're at the ballpark. But most of us watch the games at home. I don't go to the, I mean, I go to the ballpark in the summer, but I don't go that much because especially from my job, I like to, I want to see the replay. I, 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 you know, I want to pay attention. I pay attention to the game more when I'm home rather than when I'm at the game, I'm usually chatting or whatever, schmoozing with people. So there you go. Now, as uh, we switch gears from Major League Baseball to the NBA, let me say that despite the kudos I'm giving baseball, except there, basketball uh, is the opposite of baseball. Basketball does a great job, better than even the NFL. No sport does a better job providing easy access to their content than the NBA. No sport. You there's no blackouts. You could there's the games are on national TV all the time. You can watch your team's games on an app like if you it, here in Cleveland the 
the Cavs and the and and the the Guardians play on what's called Bally Sports. They're going bankrupt. It's been a big story. But on the app, you can watch the basketball games. You can watch the Cavs game on your phone with an app. You can't watch the Guardians games. Terrible job by baseball. NBA, you could basically steal their highlights and play them. Like, they don't care. They put them on the internet. They're on YouTube. They want to spread their product. So when it comes to that, they're miles ahead of baseball. And they are. it's a much more popular sport with young fans. Now, for me, I enjoy Major League Baseball way more than I enjoy the NBA. Uh, but I'm old. I'm 50. Well, I'm oldish. I'm 51. But people under 30, there's way more interest in, ba- in the NBA than baseball. Part of that is the accessibility. That's a huge part of it. Uh, it's an easier sport to bet on. Now, that's why football, part of the reason football is king is because it's the easiest sport to bet on. But also because the stars are more marketable in the NBA and a lot of fans, especially young fans, root for players and not necessarily teams. That's a big thing. The one thing, the the work now, the other side of this is, to me, the NBA has done a lot of things in terms of their rules, unlike baseball, that have made the game worse. Um, I, I am bored by, especially the NBA regular season. I get into the playoffs. The NBA regular season, to me, is completely meaningless. The players are telling you this. Brian Windhorst, the great reporter for, for ESPN, was on my TV show yesterday, the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. And he said that there may be 82 games in the NBA, but the players don't look at it as 82 games. Nobody plays that much anymore. It's not like the 80s and 90s when Magic and Michael and Bird and Kareem and all those great players, Isaiah Thomas, Joe, you know, on and on and on and on. Those guys wanted to play 82 games. Now the players have no interest in playing 82 games. And it's not just the players. The teams have no interest in the players playing 82 games because they want them ready for the playoffs because the playoffs is all that matters. Meanwhile, the commissioner, who I think generally does a good job, this idea that this new CBA that they just agreed to, that they're playing some sort of tournament in the middle of the season as part of the regular season, but also part of a tournament, is such a stupid idea. It makes no sense. It doesn't enhance the game. It is a complete money grab. And that's the bottom line. What you have to know as a fan, if you were if you were not, uh, you know, I'm sure most of you know this already. Keep this in mind. The commissioners, the owners, they don't give a rat's ass about you. They don't care. You are a peon. They don't give a shit about you at all. The owners don't care. The commission, all they want to do is line their pockets. They're all billionaires and they want to get richer. There's never been a bigger divide in this country between the rich and the poor. And it's just going to keep going that way. It's not going to change. So you as an average fan, we can complain about the ticket prices. We complain complain about cable prices. We can complain about players not playing. But we all, we have two options. We either, if we're going to keep paying for it, then we got to shut the, the F up. You know, I'm free to curse on this podcast, but for some reason I can't. I, I, I'm just stopping myself from saying the F word. I don't know why. I'm not sure. But anyway, the owners do not care. Not a single one of them. They do not care. They want every last dollar they can get from you. They're not rich enough for them. They want every last dollar. The NBA regular season is a complete joke. They try to con you into believing it matters. It matters nothing. The bottom seeds that get in can't win or almost never win. Whether you you beat a team, like, 
I was uh, debating uh, one of my partners on the on my TV show. He's like, well, I- I'm worried about the Cavs against the Knicks because the Knicks beat them in the regular season three out of four. Now, I'm not saying the Knicks can't beat the Cavs. They're only four games apart in, in the standings, whatever. I mean, I-, I-, I think the Cavs are better than the Knicks, but not by a lot. That series could go either way. But I'm certainly not going to say the Cavs are going to lose because they didn't play well against the Knicks in the regular season. It's a, it's a, It might as well be a different sport. The NBA regular season is meaningless. This stupid tournament they're going to add makes no sense. Now you might say, well, Bull, you're being a hypocrite. You like the World Baseball Classic. I did like the World Baseball Classic. There's no comparison between that and the stupid basketball tournament. This basketball tournament they're going to do in the middle of the season is no, it's no different than the rest of the regular season. It's just guys on their teams playing, playing games, no different. There's no change. The World Baseball Classic was the best players from different countries. Little national pride here. Team USA. We get to the, you know, we, we get to the finals we lost, but uh but at least it's different. You're not playing with the same guys. Like if the NBA wanted to do it by country, I, that would cop, probably stink cuz Team USA would would win easily. If they did a 3 on 3 tournament, something different. This is just more regular season games. The team that get to the finals of the stupid tournament are going to play 83 games. What is the point? The NBA would be a far better product if they played 62 games instead of 82 and only had six teams make the playoffs instead of eight. But they'll never do it because it's all about the bottom line. And I get it. I'm realistic. I spend my money or don't spend my money how I want. But you have to all know that. You know, I yell and scream about ticket prices when the stupid Browns raise their ticket prices every year, even though the team is freaking trash every year. I yell about it, but it don't matter. Everybody's going to games. The Browns sell out every game, no matter how bad they are, no matter how many times their idiot owner tells you this time is going to be different. It never is. Whatever. These bad franchises, they're, they they stay bad all the time. The owners are dopes. They don't care. They know that they got you. They got you under their thumb. Nothing's going to change. So we just got to live with it. But keep that in mind. Don't think the, they – whenever they do things in sports, it's never um, – to, you know they care they care about money even the baseball changes which i like is all about trying to attract young fans which is fine i got no problem with that but they don't do necessarily what's better for the sport because the more playoff teams you have the the more watered down the regular season is you got to find the sweet spot i think baseball kind of has it i liked it better with 5 than 6 i think the nfl kind of has it i liked it better with 6 and 7 I think college football, if they go to 12, to me, that's the perfect number. The NCAA, college basketball, NBA, NHL, regular season, meaningless. Meaningless. The, well, the only thing I'll say again about the NHL is that, at least in the NHL, you can be an eight seed and win the Stanley Cup. Anybody can beat anybody when the playoffs start in most cases. It's not the case in the NBA. It's not the case in college basketball. Although we did see, obviously, uh, you know, some lower-seeded teams make, make good runs. So there you go. But uh, in terms of the NBA and in terms of the NBA playoffs, uh, call me when it starts because I, I, I have no I, I refuse to watch any NBA games this week. I will not watch the NBA again. I'm protesting this final week of the season. These games are meaningless. They're useless. I don't care who ends up as the six, the seven seed versus the 10 seed in the in the east. Uh, I know there's some battles for a couple of seeds out west. Teams trying to get out of the play-in. Right now, I love it. Dallas is not even in the play-in in the West. That's the one thing I'll say. 
Kyrie Irving, he can go F himself. He's tanked another team. He's already miserable in Dallas. That guy is never going to be happy. Never. And right now, they are not even in the play-in. They traded for Kyrie Irving and went down the tubes. They've been awful. I mean, Oklahoma City, everybody thought they'd be one of the worst teams in the league. They're a half game up on Dallas for that last play-in spot. That's hilarious. The West is wide open, though, because the top three teams, Denver, Memphis, and Sacramento, have never done anything in the playoffs. Kudos to the Kings for being relevant for the first time in forever. Let's see if they can win a playoff series. The teams you expected, Phoenix getting hot. They've won six in a row. They're the four seed. The Warriors are at the five seed right now, but they haven't locked up anything there. The Clippers six, the Lakers seven. And as I mentioned, Dallas out of the playoffs right now, but obviously still alive. Half game behind Oklahoma City. Oh, man, do I not want them to make the playoffs. Oh, that is that will just be beautiful. Just be beautiful. All right. Um, final thing with the uh, that I wanted to hit on before we we hit the road today. Um, from the NFL, the uh, Las the Las Vegas Raiders still a weird thing to say. Signed Brian Hoyer yesterday, and Josh McDaniels, you know, bringing in Danny Amendola to be a coach. He, co- he coached him in New England, coached Brian Hoyer in New England, brings him in as a backup quarterback. He's brought in a lot of Patriots slash Belichick guys to Vegas. Now, Josh McDaniels has done has been lauded for his work in um in New England, right? But he went his first opportunity to be a coach in Denver. He drafts Tim Tebow, possibly the worst quarterback I've ever seen in the NFL. He drafts him in the first round. Now, um, Denver, in his first year with them, goes 8-8. Then he goes 3-9, and and he it's fire. Last year with Vegas, he goes 6-11. So... Uh, I just want to go back to Denver for a second because Denver, the year before McDaniels had been eight and eight, so it wasn't like the team improved when he went eight and eight. Um, now Tebow, and by the way, after McDaniels got fired, the year after that, the uh, Broncos went to the playoffs five years in a row. In fact, they went to the playoffs, as you may remember, with Tebow in 2011, and as he made through that one short pass that was a long touchdown against Pittsburgh in that playoff game, and they won it which was remarkable, and then that was that, and obviously Tebow was, was horrible, but they obviously had that good run. They did get Peyton Manning, obviously, which was the reason why, uh, but they didn't get Peyton Manning when Josh McDaniels was there. Uh, Josh McDaniels has been awful in three seasons as a head coach. Awful. The Raiders went backwards. The Broncos went backwards, and he, like the other coaches that have gotten opportunities, have tried to recreate New England, but here's the problem. None of these guys, Matt Patricia, Bill O'Brien, Josh McDaniels, they're not Belichick. They're not as smart as him. They're not as good a coach as him. They're not. And and yet they have that attitude. They go into all these spots like they are the shit. But they're not the shit. Bill Belichick is. They're not. 
They think they're him or they think they can recreate him, and it never works. And it didn't work the first time for McDaniels, and it's not going to work this time. He failed miserably, and what have they done? Derek Carr had one of his best seasons the year before McDaniels got there. Last year, he had one of his worst seasons. They moved on to two former Patriots, Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer. Now, I, I, I can't kill Jimmy Garoppolo. He did a nice job overall in San Francisco. But let's face the reality. In San Francisco, he was playing for one of the best offensive minds in the league. He had one of the best, if not the best. If you look at rosters, not including quarterback, the Niners consistently have had one of, if not the best roster. I think they had the best roster in the NFL, minus quarterback. Certainly, if you include quarterback, they didn't have the best. But minus quarterback, they had arguably the best roster in football. Certainly top five, right, for a number of years. So he had this immense talent around him, and yet he was always hurt. You know, people talk about Lamar Jackson gets hurt, Lamar Jackson gets hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt all the time, and Lamar Jackson's way better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is an average quarterback at best. Uh, Josh McDaniels is not the offensive genius that he thinks he is. Kyle Shanahan's a way better offensive coach. And I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be any good. Now, I, I granted, Oak, uh, Vegas, I still want to say Oakland, Vegas has some really nice talent at skill positions, at the skill positions. They have Devontae Adams, top five wide receiver. They have Josh Jacobs, who I think will regress this year. He was the rushing leader last year. Uh, before last year, he had been kind of a, you know, a good back, but not great. I think he'll go back to being good, but not great this year. We'll see. So there's there's decent talent, the skill positions, but overall, I, I'm not seeing it, and I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo uh, will overcome what what could be a questionable old line and certainly a questionable defense. And I think they'll fail again in Vegas, and eventually he'll get fired again. And you know what are you going to do? Good for him. Meanwhile, according to the Athletics, Zach Rosenblatt, who apparently covers the Jets, I never heard of Zach. You know Zach Rosenblatt there, uh, Monzo. Or is he not a? I know the name, but I, is I did he a not, Jet Beat reporter. I did not connect him to Jets Beat reporter. I don't know. Maybe he's not a Jets Beat reporter. Anyway, he wrote this an article about Zach Wilson. Well, the the Athletic switches beat reporters all the time. You never yeah. know. Yeah, it's true. Um, he says the Jets are likely stuck with Zach Wilson as their backup quarterback, uh, which is pretty funny. First of all, they still haven't gotten Aaron Rodgers yet. We're waiting to see what happens there. I think we all assume that eventually Aaron Rodgers will be on the Jets. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, if I hated the Jets more, I'd root for it. I don't, I don't hate the Jets. I never really hated the Jets. Uh, their fans could be obnoxious sometimes, but the Giants fans are more obnoxious. So, um, but uh, if, if they are not able to get Rodgers for whatever reason, he decides the guy's a whack job. He might just decide to retire. Who knows what the hell is going to happen? I assume he's going to be there. But if he doesn't, Zach Wilson's going to be their starting quarterback. And the Jets have an almost $10 million cap hit on Zach Wilson. He uh, uh, just a horrid, hard quarterback. I have no idea what they were thinking. Um, if I were the GM of the Jets for the last decade, they would have had more success than they have had now. And I'm not qualified to be a GM, but I I 100% believe that without a doubt, because I would never have drafted Sam Darnold and I would have never drafted Zach Wilson. So I believe, even though I'm not qualified to be an NFL GM, most of the NFL, many of the NFL GMs are not qualified either. And uh, the Jets would be better. I believe that. Laugh all you want. I don't give a shit. I am convinced that I would have been a better GM for the past decade than the Jets because I would not have been stupid enough to draft Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold, who are clearly both frauds. 
And uh, we've seen that here. Zach Wilson can't play. He's never going to play in the NFL. He's he's no good. He's no good. Uh, now, he's good at nailing older chicks. We all know that. Good for him. We all have to have a skill. Maybe he'll get into porn. Maybe he'll be a gigolo. I have no idea. He's not going to be an NFL quarterback. That's pretty certain. All right, folks. Uh, thanks, as always, for joining me. I will be back with another episode on Friday. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to bring in some guests here and there. Uh, also, we'll start getting into the NFL draft here because, as I said, the draft is about three weeks away. Get a nice settle into the baseball season. A lot to get to. Thank, thanks to Brian Monzo, as always, for producing. I'll talk to you Friday. Where else? But right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull, part of the Bet Rivers Network. Thanks for listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network.